Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company on this Monday. I hope you had a really nice weekend. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you're in neutral, you tend to enjoy (laughs) the AFL matches more than when you're invested maybe as a supporter for the West Coast or the Fremantle Dockers. We're sitting back watching it as neutrals, many of us here in Western Australia. And it was a great game. Friday night, Carlton against Melbourne. How the Blues won that remains to be seen, but you take the most of your opportunities, and the Blues did do that. And Melbourne, poster after poster, Missing set shots on goal in the final term. In the end, they didn't get it done. Good teams kicked goals, and that's what Carlton did with the opportunities that were presented to them. And then on Saturday night, wasn't it wonderful watching the run-and-stun performance of the Giants over Port Adelaide? And I'd say that Collingwood now are reassessing that this is not a foregone conclusion at the MCG on Friday night because the Giants are in ripping form. They've won 11 of their last 13 and they just absolutely decimated Port Adelaide the other night. We've got plenty coming up on the program. Also, we heard about the passing of Ronald Dale Barassi. Later on, I'll be speaking to Hassaman, who played with Barassi in those premierships at Melbourne. Well, four of those anyway. And in 1964, Barassi dropped a seismic bombshell by saying that he was leaving the Demons and going to Carlton. And Hassaman, the following year, had to take on the responsibility of captain of Melbourne and getting into the, the boots and the shoes that were left by Ronald Barassi. So I'll speak to Hassaman about Barassi, the footballer, Barassi, the man, and what that was like when Barassi told these demon teammates in the club that he was out and he was going to Princess Park and was going to be involved with the Carlton Footy Club. So that's coming up a bit later on as well. The other one is seismic shocks. Where's rugby going in Australia? And the Wallabies capitulation against Fiji last night. And could it be a possibility, and it certainly is now, that in the first time ever, in World Cup rugby history, that Australia won't be able to advance out of the pool stage. It's unthinkable years ago. We've won the World Cup, and here we're battling to get out of the pool, which is quite incredible. We've got Wales and Portugal to come. We'll certainly be Portugal. Wales is a different kettle of fish, and I'll speak to my rugby man, Mick Collis, who, by the way, in two days' time, flies to France and will be there front and centre at the Rugby World Cup. And uh, hopefully the Wallabies will continue their path out of the pool stage and maybe to the quarterfinals. A couple of things I want to address here, and I'd love your thoughts on it before we get into the good oil and the big story of the day for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. We'll come to that in just a sec. But it got me thinking on the weekend with the passing of Ron Barassi and everybody's now come out and saying, you know, maybe we should, including Mick Malthouse, who's very strong on it, that we should name the Premiership Trophy after Barassi. Call it the Barassi Premiership Trophy. And I thought to myself, why do we have to do it when the man has left, when he's passed on? Because... 
his contribution to the game is set in stone. We know what he did at the Demons during the club's most successful era. We know what he did when he went to Carlton and won two premierships, including that classic in 1970. We know what he did to North Melbourne, who were on the bones of their proverbial, and they recruited extensively, and they won a couple of huge premierships under Ron Barassi, their very first premierships. And, of course, we know what he did in helping the Sydney Swans to cement their existence in the Harbour City. But why do we have to always now look, once a man has passed on, to give him some sort of place in the game that he helped to develop and helped to direct over many years, over 60 years? Wouldn't it have been nice to maybe bestow that honour maybe while he was still with us a few years ago, 10 years ago, and all of a sudden they're so reactionary, the AFL. They're so reactionary. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to have a meeting and throw it up to the board and they may come out with the Barassi Premiership Cup to be presented to whoever wins the Premiership at the MCG in that final day in September. Why leave it to now? Why hadn't they done that maybe years before? Because his so-called CV in the game is there for all to see. And only now, because everybody's talking about Ron Barassi, have the AFL decided to react because people have made comments about how do we remember one of the greats and one of the so-called big names in Australian rules football. The other thing that was interesting, and you may have been listening to the program, is that on the weekend, news came out about a landmark class action that has been launched against the AFL for failing to protect players from racial abuse on the field. Now, the class action has been brought on by North Melbourne great Phil Cracker, who I spoke to on this program mid-last week after he was inducted into the WA Football Hall of Fame. Now, this includes six others who played football between 1975 and 2022. And those players wish to remain anonymous at this time. But Cracker said in a statement, for decades, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and people of colour have been racially abused while playing AFL. And we feel the AFL sat back and watched it all go by. Let's just go back and reflect on the conversation I had with Phil Cracker when I went to that comment regarding whether he, when he was playing for Claremont and North Melbourne, was racially abused. How difficult was it for you and Jimmy, being, of course, of an Indigenous uh, race and being a different colour, did you cop a lot of abuse during your waffle and your VFL days? All the time. Because it was, it, was it was deemed as a tactic, uh, you know, by, by the opposition. So, you know, the op- and, and where, where it was really, really, really tough, like, you can kind of... To some degree, it's not acceptable, but you can kind of hop it beyond the fence. What takes place? In our case, it was actually right out on the ground. You know, where you know, you know, where players would call you all sorts of names, and um, 
and that was the hard part, and uh, no one did anything about it, and and and, and that went on for decades. So saying that, uh, I know Jimmy was uh, more the brawler than you were. It was at times it got yes. to Jimmy more than it got to you, hence why he got involved in a few melees and a few fights on the footy field. Pretty pretty much. So Jimmy reacted straight away. You know, where I I, I, I probably try to. Try to find another way if I could, you know, like rather than, you know, being suspended and all that sort of stuff, I'd, I would, you know, try to, um, you know, kick a goal or lay a tackle or do something different, you know what I'm trying Yeah, but it, no, did it get to Jimmy Moore? No, it didn't. Um, it got to me. I, I, I still hurt from uh, the remarks. Um, you know, you know like it, was, it, it, cut, it cut really deep and and we're talking, you know, decades and dec- uh, you know, decades of just... You know, racially being abused on and off the field, mm. and off the field you can you can cop to a degree, but not on the field. Yes, do you think it's improved over the years, Phil? Now you live in Melbourne, you would see a lot of football, you'd see a lot of uh, players talk to them. Do you think it's improved uh, the racial aspect when it comes to our great Indigenous players and and what they received over the years? Yeah, I think I, I think to be honest with you, the um, it's improved as as much as there are now. Uh, Almost every AFL club have got four, five, three or four, three, four, five Indigenous players playing for them. So from from that aspect, there's no one that will uh, uh, the the players are going to say any, anything about the uh, the, uh, the opposition players because they've got Aboriginal players playing for them. Mm. Where in, in in my day, in Jimmy's day, uh, there was myself over there and the, the late Morris Rowley. Yes, rest in peace. And um, all the other clubs never, never had an Aboriginal person, so they would not understand mm. where in today. So that's where it's improved. And from the crowd's point of view, um, there's a bit more, you know, the AFL puts things out, they try to stamp it out. So from the crowd's point of view, people are not, no longer saying it as much, but they will always be thinking it. Mm. So that was Phil Cracker with yours truly on Sports Day WA uh, middle of last week after he came over and uh, was honoured with uh, being inducted into the WA Football Hall of Fame and then came the news late last week and across the weekend that uh, he is leading a class action against the AFL for failing to protect players from racial abuse on the field. All right, let's go to another big story today. And that certainly is the uh, the big story for Cobram Estate, Premier Australian extra virgin olive oil regarding the Perth Wildcats. And Corey Webster now has issued an apology for his offensive comments towards the LGBTQ plus community, which he made on social media yesterday. This apology comes via an official statement released by the Perth Wildcats. And Webster has conceded that his comments were insensitive. And while highlighting that he didn't intend to cause offence, he understands how his comments have been perceived and that they don't align with the club's values of inclusiveness. Now, noting that, he should have understood the consequences of his actions and Webster has committed to better educating himself and said he stands with the club on inclusiveness. That was part of the statement. So that was a, a pretty significant story that broke today, uh, one of the uh, the big stories for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. I've got some news regarding the West Coast Eagles uh, a bit later on in the program regarding two players and possibly the captain of the WAFL West Coast Eagles team for next season. Uh, I'll share that with you a bit later on. But firstly, 
But let's get into the top five at five. Uh, and there's a Novus Autoglass near you, 13.22.34. Certainly the Corey Webster story uh, significant today. Other than that, these were the top five stories over the last couple of days. Number five. Corner number 15 for Spurs. Richarlison! In the eighth minute of stoppage time, the Spurs player who Richarlison, Kulisevsky. Oh, would you believe it? A virtuoso strike from Dejan Kulisevsky. And this place has gone absolutely crazy. 100 minutes on the clock. 100 minutes on the clock. Uh, They scored the winner in time added on uh, at the end of the game. 10 minutes time added on. They scored the equaliser against Sheffield United, who led by one goal to nil. Eight minutes into injury time. And two minutes later, they scored the winner. Unbelievable what's happening at Tottenham Hotspur. And the crowd of 61,000 just went off. Number four. Clearly, clearly we've played some debutantes on this tour. Um, We've been stretched a little bit with with injuries. Um, I think the way that we attack the power play with our top order batting um, with Travis, uh, Davey and obviously Mitch in that top three, we had to readjust that on the back of an injury, but I thought that was a real positive. Um, there's plenty of room for improvement. Uh, there's no doubt in the last three games we were a little bit sloppy in, in all three phases and you know, a little bit of execution, decision making. And we've got to sharpen those things up uh, coming into a World Cup. But as Mitch said, I think South Africa played some, some brilliant cricket. Um, almost full-strength team as well. Um, so you've just got to give credit to your opponents sometimes, but there's no doubt we need to sharpen up. They certainly need to sharpen up, but uh, they've still got to be a few more games before the World Cup gets underway in about a month's time. But career best performances from Marco Janssen and Kishav Maharaj uh, propelled South Africa to a 122-run thrashing of Australia at a raucous sold-out Wanderers Stadium in Joburg. Uh, the Proteas eased to a 3-2 ODI series triumph after Australia led 2-0 after winning the first two games. Uh, Janssen thrilling 47 off 29 balls, helped the home side amass 9 for 315, and then they skittled Australia for 193. Mitch Marsh, by the way, who opened the batting top score with uh, 71, and Manas Labuschagne, they call him Labuschagne in South Africa, made 44 and they added 90 for the third wicket before their back-to-back dismissal sparked a horror. Eight for 69 collapse. Number three. Clearly, you know, it'll be a different challenge against Collingwood next week. Um, they're, they've been a quite a good stoppage team also um, across the course of the year. So, um, yeah, I, f- I feel like our game's in good order. Um, we're healthy. I think we'll have a full list to pick from again. Um, we couldn't be a better place to take on Collingwood next Friday. It should be a fantastic game. I'm quite excited about the Giants. Uh, Everybody is predicting Collingwood and Brisbane in the AFL Grand Final for 2023. But you can't dismiss the likes of the Giants and even the Blues up there at the Gab after their Blues. A great victory against Melbourne uh, the other night. But the Giants, they've won 11 of the last 13 after only winning three of their first 10 and Adam Kingslet said it's taken them half a season to get where they need to be. And boy, oh boy, they've got the momentum at the moment. Number two. Well, obviously disappointed. Uh, you know, we started the game 
very uncharacteristically not like us. You know, we've been really sharp at the start of games. We've played with a fair bit of pace and precision, and today we were sloppy, you know, whether that was the physicality of Fiji. Um, but full congratulations to Fiji. You know, they, they played really well, and it's a, a deserved victory for them. And, and you know, I'm really pleased for them as a team, and we've got some work to do. You know, we've got Wales next week. Uh, yeah, the great thing about the World Cup tournament is not the end of the road. Um, yeah, we've got Wales next week, so we need to kick some stones tonight, um, work out where we can improve quickly, um, and then get on with the game against Wales. Yes, the performance there by the Wallabies. We'll talk more about it a bit later on, going down to Fiji with Mickey Collis when we talk rugby. But that was a disappointing loss last night. They've got Wales and Portugal to come in their pool matches. Number one. We said before the match, 100 minutes at halftime, 60. And now it's only 25. We've come too far, let us slip now. That is not to say we go defensive, though. We're still keeping this bloody pressure up as never been kept up before in the history of North Melbourne. Thing I, in football I ever did, uh, really, to, to, to change clubs. In fact, I changed my mind a couple of times, and it was nothing to do with you know trying to frisk any extra pounds out of Carl. It was nothing to do with that at all. I just ring up and I said, I just, I just can't do this. Just personally, uh, it was one of the best things I ever did in footy. Amazing. Uh, Ron Barassi, who passed away across the weekend, the first one you heard was a 1975 grand final speech when they beat Hawthorne 19-8 to 9-13. That's a three-quarter time. And the game was up for grabs in some way. North Melbourne led at that stage by 29 points, uh, but then kicked seven goals to two in the final term on the back end of that address from Ron Barassi uh, in front of 110,551 people. And then, which we'll talk to Hassaman about, the bombshell at the end of the 1964 season when Ron Barassi decided to leave Melbourne, his family club, because his father, his late father, played for Melbourne and his late father died in the Second World War when Ron was a fairly young man and moved to Carlton. So we'll talk to Hassaman. He's going to join us on the other side of the break. That's the top five at five. Thanks to Novus Auto Glass. Don't let your old windscreen end up as landfill. Call Novus Auto Glass 13 22 34. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Kia and the EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. Give us your thoughts on the temper of bedshed text machine about uh, Ronald Dale Barassi, about what Phil Cracker is doing in relation to that uh, landmark case against the AFL. Uh, 0487 736 736. And do you think the AFL is reactionary? Now they're talking about uh, etching Barassi's name uh, for future generations. Maybe it should have been done a bit earlier, in my opinion. 19 past five.